It's uh, it's been a couple weeks, hasn't it? It has, it has been. definitely been uh, a couple plus one weeks. So <laughs> it's also times going by so fast and so slow at the same time. Isn't that crazy? How are we already halfway through July? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that we actually are. <laughs> I saw somebody reply to somebody saying that uh, it's going to be the end of July in a couple weeks. And someone was like, no, I'm pretty sure tomorrow is March 29th. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, if it was July 22nd and tomorrow I got to see the Xbox you know, Series X yeah. premiere stuff. I'd be very the happy. The first party stuff. But I had to wait four, five, I, however many more days. Don't worry. Just blink. It'll go by. We'll, it'll feel like one, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> All you no. really need is, like, to need to be doing something, and time will just go by so fast that you won't be able to yeah. get anything done. But yeah, this week there was uh, the Ubisoft event. Which yeah. did, did either of you guys watch it live? <laughs> no. Um, I tuned in, but pretty much just kind of sat there. You and tuned in, but you tuned out? I tuned in and was kind of tuned out. Yeah, I well, wasn't paying classic. attention the whole time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, they just didn't talk about much stuff that I'm... I don't, I don't play a lot of ubisoft games yeah um so it's of minimum more more or less it's oh is this is this going to be the assassin's creed that i get back into and does far cry look interesting enough for me to pick up again right yeah which which i mean to be fair i mean we can start with far cry yeah it's a very intriguing trailer but i feel like they they're still I feel like they've got it, it. They've done the Ubisoft thing, which is they've gotten very rote. It's like they've got a premise, which is there is an evil dictator, and you are a younger person that could be influenced by him, <laughs> and that's the story. They figured out their formula because it's yeah. the it's the same thing, and you know, even the last three games, three, four, and five, have all been pretty much the exact same gameplay too like the gameplay loop is even the same uh so so the fact that the story's already lining up to be like formula um i have a feeling it's not gonna be anything that like blows my mind when it comes to what the game is um but i guess congrats on them on being able to you know make minor tweaks to the a franchise over the course of a decade and get yep. away with it. <laughs> well, and, and, and the thing about it is I, I, if there's no other games coming out at the time, there's a good try <clears throat> chance. I'll buy it and I'll yeah. enjoy it or I'll play it a year after it comes out when it's on sale and I'll probably enjoy it. And that's kind of like the entire story of Ubisoft for me is they make good games. They just don't make compelling games. Mm-hmm. They make the same game every year. What were you going to say, Michael? Oh, so 
I have to confess, I've not played Far Cry. I'm not familiar with the franchise at all. And when I saw this in the lineup list, I my brain was thinking about Crisis, which was like, a, you know, would mean a new engine, right? Because like the Crisis oh, games yeah. are built around the Crisis engine, and the Crisis engine is known for being Crytek. Uh, Crytek, thank you. Uh, being brutal on um, modern hardware, but always looking amazing, and and so I watched the trailer and went, I don't think this is the game I'm thinking of (laughs) (laughs) and realized, Oh wait, this is a whole different thing. And I got my name straight. Uh, so, so what's the deal with far cry? Like it's first person shooter, just to to go over it really quickly. It's, it's usually a story of you are a stranger of some type in another land and you get pulled into a revolution against a dictator and it's basically the story of you becoming like this hero for the revolution to take down this dictator. And that's the story every single time. Every time. And it's a it's a matter of like it's an open world game in first person where you have vehicles and you cra- and you can like upgrade weapons and craft weapons and you take down enemy bases. So it's like that was really really interesting when the first couple came out and then they, they got really good at storytelling around the third one. And so people were like, Oh man, this is really cool. But then they just kept doing the same thing Mm. because they'd found so much success in it. So the open world sounds kind of interesting in that context. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Does it it play well? It's very fun to run around in. Okay. The sandbox is pretty, is pretty fun. Um, because you can approach things. They they build all the different areas so that there's, you know, do you want to be the sneaky sniper or the stealthy assassin or go in guns blazing? Yes, um, they, even, they And they even do fun <laughs> stuff like the enemies will have, like, animals in cages and you can break the cages and the animals will attack them. And all of that, when it <clears throat> came out, was, like, a big deal, that something that nobody was really doing. And now it's like, well, everybody's doing that. So in these open world type of games. So I even did that in uh last of us. Yeah, exactly. There were the guys that had the clickers chained up and I broke the chain and then the clicker ran yeah. off and chased them into the house. It was great. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I knew nothing about the franchise and was super confused until the end of it and realized, Oh, I'm they just have everything backwards. It's, it's cool. Casting. It's very much uh, you, a, a teaser. I mean, that's sort for... of like half the deal right there, right? So the Giancarlo, um, Esp- I'm going to get his last name messed up. Esposito? Es- yeah, Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito uh, is the bad guy. He's the, the dictator. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, he plays such a good evil guy. Like, if you haven't seen uh, Breaking Bad, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good at the charismatic bad guy yes char- yeah exactly that's a good way to put it um so then brett you mentioned also uh assassin's creed so this mm-hmm. is like another franchise i have barely played and got frustrated with for a number of reasons it's sort of i don't know like it just it didn't hook it didn't grab me um yeah but there's this new assassin's creed valhalla so you play as a viking warrior mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah t- talk talk about that tell us about it yeah so i kind of have a 
an interesting relationship with the Assassin's Creed franchise. Uh, I've kind of dipped my toe in every three or four games. <laughs> yeah, same here. So like, I kind of I, I played the first one after the fact, and then I was really excited, and I played two, which is regarded as one of the better ones in the franchise. Um, and then there were, and then I played four Black Flag because that was a like a pirate themed one, very different. Um, and then I really haven't played any since then. So this one is more or less interesting because I'm hoping that it's a kind of a, uh, not a, not perfection. Perfection is not the right word. Um, it's a more polished version of the last couple games, um, with, things like kind of different combat system you have a little bit more of like a base building rather than kind of like going around and just being in an area um you're going around and you're liberating these towns which i think is interesting because you're <clears throat> i i mean they, they they use the word the the vocabulary of like uh liberation when in fact you're i mean depending on how you want to read history you're you're invading england right <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> but you're 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 like working with the the local people who live there you're just really you're just fighting the the army the you know the english army um uh but you know s- establishing bases and uh, those kind of things i think is interesting um i will definitely be probably waiting to hear what reviewers have to say um yeah. before i hop in just because it does look like a very big game and the last couple assassin's creed games were too big in hindsight <laughs> like when i when i looked at what all had happened i had and i had didn't play them but from what i understood were were way bigger than i what i really wanted to play yeah so if this game is the same i'll probably hold off on it again yeah, like, and I'm I'm pretty much in the exact same boat as you. The only other one I played was Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which was, I think that was the first next gen one, which is why I picked it up. I do not even remember that one. Was that the one in England? Yeah, with like the London twins. Twins. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And okay. and it was fine. Um, and and that's kind of the thing is they they are fun games. Like the combat's fun, and a lot of the missions are interesting. But man, especially with these last two, like I understand why people like them and I don't even really have anything like really constructive to say about why they didn't grab me aside from just, I basically got introduced to the world map, saw how tiny of a percentage I was (laughs) on it and was like, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the same loop that many times. (laughs) And that kind of was what killed my enthusiasm for the game. Mm Mm-hmm. I do always appreciate Assassin's Creed its attention to detail in terms of history um especially the first couple games it was really cool to know that like oh this is you know this area in the world um I think that was two or maybe his brotherhood that was partially set in I want to say Paris um that may be wrong but in any case, it, the worlds are really, really cool and beautiful. Um, and the last couple have been interestingly less, uh, less 
uh, modern architecture, I guess I'll say. Yeah. Like with Odyssey and um, Origins, uh, Egypt and Greece, like those are very beautiful, but there, I feel like there's was probably less of like, a, oh, like I know where this is because it's a, those it's, places are, they're way different than what they used to be. Well, it's also just interesting because they were kind of going forward in time for a long time. For a long time they were. And then they were hint like they kept giving you like pieces of playing in modern times or at least in more modern times. And everybody was excited about that. Like the fandom was, and then they basically came out years ago, like maybe even five years ago. And we're like, yeah, we're never going to make a modern Assassin's Creed game. I have a theory about that. It was really weird. My theory is they were, they had that game not made in any sense of the word, but they were working on that game, realized this isn't what, this isn't good. And then they took the, we're going to actually like wait a couple years to put out our next Assassin's Creed game and restarted that at that point. Because I felt like we lost again, that momentum of like, Oh, this is like one big overarching story with the animus and this present time versus the past. And we, we've, uh, and again, I'm just speaking on what I've seen, um, not through gameplay at all, but yeah, I don't, I don't see those cool conspiracy threads on Reddit about like, oh, you know, here's what's going on in the re- in the now timeline. Right, right. Well, and, and there was a, there's a lot of rumors that they were making a modern day one, and then it became Watch Dogs. Oh, so I hadn't even heard of that. That's awesome. That yeah, but I don't make sense. Don't, they they've never confirmed that so yeah who knows if that's actually true in watchdogs can you jump off of buildings and become a bird no (laughs) (laughs) but it is it is very much like a a franchise about like you're kind of hiding among the people fighting for the people which is kind of an assassin's creed kind of thing so speaking of watchdogs uh yeah they watchdogs legion three the first one just came out like (laughs) no it's like at least five years old if not older oh my goodness i I was it it was a i think it was an xbox one launch title it was at least announced with the xbox or sorry with the xbox one generation like xbox one and playstation 4 so it'd be like if we were getting a destiny 3 this year (laughs) oh no but but not even because (laughs) destiny was on the 360 even for like a year before it came to the next gen right yeah 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 so watchdogs legions watchdogs legion is probably the most interesting one to me on the list because it didn't look like they were doing like don't get me wrong assassin's creed valhalla you you talked about a little bit it is cool the the stuff they are doing to improve it and to kind of move it forward so, you know, I don't I don't want to just spend the whole time talking about the things we don't like about Assassin's Creed. Sure. It did look like they were actually making cool improvements on what the last two games did. The last two games just didn't grab me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Watch Dogs Legion, I felt, was like a, a pretty crazy step forward in, in gaming, period. Because if you went and watched any of the gameplay for it, 
they were they were not kidding when they said you can recruit anybody in the game. So every single civilian that you see on the streets in London in Watch Dogs Legion, you can recruit onto your team, which means you can then play as them. I'm going to buy this game just in an attempt to recruit the main bad guy. <laughs> it's going to be my only goal. Just, just to, just to pr- <laughs> disprove what they say. It's like... Oh, you said I could recruit everybody, but I can't recruit this guy. You were lying. (laughs) (laughs) One specific series of steps you can take to. (laughs) But I mean, it was crazy. Like they, there, a bunch of people showed that you could even recruit like literally the guards that were guarding a building that you were breaking into. They had steps to get to the point where you could recruit them onto your team. So yeah, it's, I, I'm very interested in it just because of that. Agreed. And I, and I think that um, Watchdogs I've always appreciated as a series that's strived for um, alternative ways of completing missions, if that makes sense. Yep. Like there's always been, well, I, I don't think the first one did it as well as the second one. A, a way to non-violently or non-lethally I mean, right. uh, <laughs> complete the game, right? So, sometimes and, non-violently, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that's just something we don't get a ton of, mostly because people know that it's you know the the easy dopamine hit is oh I pulled the trigger and I shot a thing, um, and so a lot of game development centers around that, and obviously a lot of this game does that too, and especially with its marketing. But um, I, I think it's it's worth checking out and investing in de- development and games, and especially bigger games that like strive to try things like that. Yeah, and and I I will say the one thing I found disappointing about it, and we talked about it a little bit in our chat was that trailer only showed the the super violent options. Yeah. They didn't yeah. show any non-violent, any non-lethal that I could that I can remember ways to complete an objective, which was really weird. Uh and it, it was actually me watching other people cuz the press got to play it for like 4 hours. Watching other people play it, I went, "Oh, okay. They didn't like take that out. Yeah. <laughs> they just <laughs> they for just some reason didn't strip mark out it. half of this gameplay." Yeah. Really weird. I do also think it's interesting that um, that story in today's climate. Oh, it's so relevant. It's 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 scary. It's, it's it's very weird, and yeah, it'll be interesting how it's received. Because uh, I have a feeling it's probably going to get pretty good reviews from press and media, but there's going to be a lot of people like get your politics out of my games. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I actually feel bad for him because regardless of what side they are on as a, as like a company or as individuals, they made this game. Like they started making this game years ago. Oh yeah. It's like (laughs) they just got unlucky that so much in the world has changed in the last few months. So, yeah. So is, uh, another series I haven't played. I, I realize, like, I play so few games uh, compared to you guys. <laughs> but um, is is the Watch Dogs storyline like one consistent arc that started at the beginning and they're continuing it through, 
or are they sort of like independent, uh, like silos? Because I thought they were independent, but the way you just talked about it made it sound like well, they, it's they one are arc. In, they are independent silos in the sense that you're not really interacting with characters from a previous franchise. But the there's a connecting, a pretty major connecting line between the three of them, which okay. is that all the cities that you're you're playing in have this smart city technology implemented. So basically the city government can basically analyze everything that's happening in the city and make adjustments on the fly. And the reason why that's important as a gameplay perspective is that's the reason you can control, you can hack in and all the devices in the city. Right. Got it. Yeah. It's, it's less of a, uh, narrative continuity as in like you have a clearly established protagonist who's present in every every iteration of the franchise and, and grows and more of a thematic continuity this is all in one universe and we're gonna stick with this kind of this theme so less halo more assassin's creed kind of yeah okay. yeah yeah got it that makes sense i have to say the game looks like the it looks gorgeous. They, they've always done a cool job of, you know, nice nighttime neon lighting and sort of punk. I don't know. Like, yeah, punk yeah. tech kind of, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting aesthetic, but it looks nice. <laughs> I, would, I would call it. Uh, <laughs> oh man. What is the name of the band? Uh, it's uh, the tr- uh, daft, daft punk. punk. It's a very yeah. daft punk. Yeah. Aesthetic. <laughs> there yep. you go. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game that we'll at least talk about, they had a whole bunch of others, but um, sort of just on the, the hit list here is Hyperscape, yet another Battle Royale title. <laughs> yeah. Um, the train I, be moving. Oh, Everybody's I, getting a Battle Royale, baby. Oh, you can't, like, <laughs> not... I'm just waiting for Bungie to drop, you know, oh, we have a Battle Royale, because everybody's doing it. Um, I hope they don't. Please I, don't. I, I also... Yes, I agree. Um, so when I was watching the trailer for hyperscape, I just kept thinking of snow crash, the, the novel, <laughs> um, <laughs> did either of you get those vibes at all? I haven't read the novel, so, okay. I just thought it was a funny comparison. How about you? Yeah. No, I didn't think about it at first, but now that you mention it, I can see it. Yeah. And like, it's sort of, you know, you have this, um, ultra cities and then the way everybody connects with everybody else is through this virtual medium, like this virtual world. And mm-hmm. then the, the, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm missing up, mixing up novels. I've totally read snow crash. You're sorry. thinking neuromancer. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking neuromancer. Yeah. Uh, not dissimilar, I guess. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, snow, snow crash. just, I, a couple of things, especially right at the beginning of the trailer. And then kind of just, as it kept going, I, I was thinking like, wow, this is, seems very familiar. And then I put my finger on it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel like we need another battle royale. It yeah. look it looks nice, <clears throat> but, um, I'm trying to figure out like, are they trying to pull more the apex player or are they trying to pull the Fortnite player or, I don't I don't think I honestly don't think that any company is trying to pull from Fortnite. I'm going to say that straight away. Nobody is actually like I because I, I saw a lot of that and I've talked about it before 
because it's an annoyance of mine that people have been like, oh, Apex didn't really succeed because Fortnite's numbers are the same. And I'm like, I don't think anybody at Respawn was expecting to take down Fortnite. Um, I I think they're all trying to find their own niche uh, audience because uh, there are actually a bunch that are still really keep that are st- still around and are still going. Fortnite, of course, will probably be around for years. Apex, I think, is going to last quite a while. And then Warzone, the new, the newer Call of Duty one, has a huge audience. Yeah. Have either of you played that? Side, sidebar? I haven't. Yes. It is fine. <laughs> As in, like, I, thumbs up fine or, like, eh, it's, it's okay? It's better than PUBG, but not as... I don't think it's the combat's quite as entertaining as something like Apex. Okay. And that um, that's one I actually think that one was trying to get the PUBG audience. Yeah. Cuz it's Call of Duty gunplay. So yeah, they were trying yeah. they were trying to basically take a lot of people like PUBG, but the the gunplay in PUBG is not good even after they've made several improvements. <laughs> it's not good. And so I think they basically were trying to take it over that audience if anything okay yeah i have a buddy who uh was trying to talk me into warzone and i wasn't convinced yet but maybe i'll try it out yeah i mean I, i've read a lot of good impressions about hyperscape um they say there's a uh, from what i understand there's a lot of interesting mechanics that they've done and apparently there's even in the base mode like once you get to a certain point, you don't have to be the last one alive to win. Like it does objectives so that you can, you don't have to be that ultimate player on your server kind of idea. Yeah. It kind of looked like, um, the, the way the trailer was going was they had, you know, there was that virtual crown that, um, they were, they were moving toward. And the way I read that was that there was going to be some sort of objective, to get the win rather than just be the last person standing. So yeah. I, I haven't read about it at all. So it's interesting that, uh, that seems to actually be the case, but it's hard to say if it's going to be successful because I, I mean, kind of like what you're saying, I don't know who their audience is. I don't know. I don't know who was looking for a battle Royale game that a current one doesn't already fill. I, it, it's, it's super interesting to me. Because I think with Ubisoft, I think their the more obvious business decision strategy would have been to go for like a Rainbow Six audience. Yeah, a Twitch, um, very Twitch shooter. Yeah, you know, and it would be very PUBG or or Warzone esque. Um, I am impressed that this is something that looks very different. Yeah, um, but I completely agree. I don't know. Who who this is for and and maybe it's got a low enough overhead that it you know they're just kind of trying something and see if see if it catch and if not whatever it's fine um we've seen other battle royales kind of come and go uh firestorm has not done well for battlefield well Um, and I, i think battlefield's biggest problem was firestorm wasn't free true yeah 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 this is the same problem with Overwatch too, right? From well, Blizzard. Overwatch isn't a battle royale. Was it not? It, no, nope. no, nope. 
It's it's actually more like Team Fortress Two. It's a, oh like yeah a, okay yeah, but uh the yeah it's it's definitely a problem for a few of them. Like the call this is not Warzone's not the first Call of Duty uh battle royale game, but the pr- previous one you had to buy Modern Warfare, right? Is yep. that Modern Warfare? Uh, Black Ops Four. It was Black Ops Four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it like that there was a lot of people said it was really good it just if you didn't yeah, actually, want to spend 60 think, bucks on it i think blackout was better than warzone yeah but what's my opinion i don't like call of duty who cares about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a battlefield played guy it, played it much in a long time uh yeah I, i'm not a battlefield uh battle royale guy though mm-hmm. yeah i'm mm-hmm. a battle i'm a battlefield purist give me my i agree 60 v 60 30 v 30 huge uh, you get a tank you get a plane we're gonna have 30 people running on the ground you're gonna have that's 10, what, that's 10 what snipers on each team exactly <laughs> I, I played uh <laughs> like one game of battlefield at some point and was super lost <laughs> like yeah, you almost need somebody to walk you through battlefield mm-hmm because it's uh it's pretty intimidating. Yep. I, yeah, I mean I mean it's it's the most like playing in a real war that you can get in like a triple A title. It's like you you could go with your squad and come around a corner and get bombed by a plane and you're dead. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. And the uh right. there's a hyperscape public beta coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one it's out right now for i think, I think the PC, public beta is out was on already, PC right now oh, okay yeah yeah i don't think i don't remember seeing anything was there something announced for consoles at all or was it just at this point it was just the pc beta's happening i i would imagine they're going to do one i think there will i just don't remember hearing about like a a look at look for it on consoles this next month or whatever i don't know apparently they didn't announce one nope pc so on the uh, subject of games, um, I think, was it Timothy you put this in here about Apex versus uh, Destiny yeah, I, and storytelling? I don't know if we want to cover it since I don't think either of you have even finished the quest line. Um, no, but I've, I've been sort of, I'm like halfway through it. So I kind of have a sense for the flavor of what yeah, they're I doing, just, I guess. I just thought it was interesting. I I got to the end of the quest line and I thought it told a pretty good story and was pretty happy with it for what it was. And mm-hmm. then I thought about the fact that I'm pretty disappointed with destiny twos, but it has way more lore <laughs> and is honestly <laughs> probably better written. But I think it's because it's like, it is promising content in the game that's related to a story. And then the content in the game doesn't, fulfill that desire you instead get lore mm, so i don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's enough here that we want to include this but i just thought it was interesting okay that comparison yeah i can't speak to the apex side of things at all um yeah we've missed you i know i'm sorry it's okay you can probably rope me in sometime <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't be it wouldn't be too hard to get me to switch off a of Destiny at this point. Have you been playing um, a bunch of Destiny this season? Um, 
not as much as the end of last season, but more than the previous two seasons, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like I really, I really hit the end of last season hard and had a lot of fun with it, mostly because the, what the fanboy guys were, were both wanting to do the raids. You were raiding a lot. We were raiding. uh, Yeah. A lot. And, and we need to do some more raids now that things are like uncapped, um, rewards. Um, but yeah, like I think Timothy, to your point, like there's, I think Destiny's kind of figured out like good environmental storytelling. Like I yeah. really love the idea, the fact that the the pyramids are just showing up over planets, and uh, even last season with building the Seraph Towers. Um, those are cool environmental storytelling things, contextualizing what's happening in the world. But outside of that, we're not getting a real solid story of what's, what's really happening. Yeah. And I think we'll probably have a pretty big season finale thing that might, you know, more or less kind of pay off, but like week to week you run the same mission and you do the, kind of the same thing on different areas and you get lore cards and you read those lore cards and we've become accustomed to destiny story being in the format of you know text um but i do i do find that still a little bit disappointing yeah well and i'm not i'm not as confident that we are going to get an end of the season thing that's exciting Mm -hmm. i I like though because the last the way the last couple seasons have gone that hasn't really been the case it's like right the last season you got the the death of the uh what's the name of the ship the destruction of the almighty the destruction of the almighty which was really cool but it was it was literally an event you had to be there or you or you missed it so it wasn't like something that somebody could come on the next day and watch a cutscene and see what happened well and i and i think a lot of us I'll, I'll say a lot of us who are really care about story. And I think all three of us here probably really care about story and we love good storytelling. That's mm-hmm. just something I've picked up between all of us. All yeah. of us would have preferred to see a cutscene and see something rendered beautifully with, with great voiceover and yeah. And some action um, from certain characters uh, that have kind of carried you through the season um, to set. And then that leads into setting up the next season. And that's just not what you, you get when you sit there and you sit around and watch yeah, an hour and a half of lines going across the screen and then an explosion like it, in the moment and the moment of the explosion was cool. Um, but it was probably cool because we'd never seen anything like it before in destiny. Not because it was actually that good. And actually I was talking about this when I was playing destiny with some people earlier that I think the mistake that Bungie makes is that they think that because something worked really well one time that they can just do it again and everyone will be happy with it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I feel bad saying it because I know how difficult it is to make this stuff. But you can't just do the same thing again because we're just going to get sick of it. <laughs> As much, I, I feel guilty saying that, but it's completely true. It, you're, and you're absolutely right. We've had uh, a year of 
uh, every four months, three months, uh, a rotational public event thing as like the core new gameplay hook of yeah. a season. And that is just so frustrating. It's been, it's just been so disappointing. Yeah. Um, and, the, and this season's is be- better than the ones we've gotten before. Yes, it is. But it's still, it's just another public event. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, you're right. Yeah. I've, uh, I've basically given up on it for now. Um, yeah. I just like, I don't know. I have other things I want to do with my time and I keep just being a little bit frustrated by, by destiny. I'll, you know, I hop in, I do the public event thing. And it's like, okay, so this is the experience. Now I need to grind for a few weeks so that I can be like high enough power level to do the thing, to do the the public event completely. Okay, do that. And <laughs> then and then what? You know, then they have, you know, the cool dungeons and stuff, which I love doing, but I hate the power grind to get there. I just want to get yeah. in and play the freaking dungeon. And like, I want to go in and kick alien butt with you guys. And instead I have to grind and grind and grind and grind and grind and grind and hope that I get, you know, the right gear at the right time to get me to the right level so that I can go in and play with the, the gear that's maybe higher level, but not what I want to just be playing with. Yeah. Um, that's just, I'm well, and I will say in their defense, they have made it much better. Like you don't have to worry about slots as much as you used to because every activity is pinnacle rewards. So no matter what, it's going to improve your power level yeah, without a question. Uh, my, I know. Yeah. But the problem is it's too many rewards needed yeah. to get you to a power level that matters, especially when the only time it matters is in this one activity. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's not a, it's not like there's a stair-step thing where I'm unlocking things to do. It's literally just, here's this one activity that you need to be, to like do well, you need to be 40 power level over what the season started at. That's that's exhausting. Yeah, and the way you get there is you yep. grind out, you know, Nightfalls and you grind out Crucible. Yeah. You grind out public events and... Eh. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's it's kind of like the recipe is just not working for me. And I agree. Yeah, the storytelling. I have no idea what's going on in the Desti- Destiny universe. I've stopped like reading lore cards that pop up. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, well, which, and, and I mean, the, the most disappointing part is, even though that all that lore is really, really good. It, it is if you dig into it. Absolutely. I could explain to you everything that mattered for the last three seasons in a in a paragraph if that yeah because you because wouldn't need to know anything outside of that to know right the actual core story content isn't that much all, all the the grimoire stuff the lore stuff is all in you know it's um it's a periphery right it's yeah. it's flavored yeah. to sort of set the universe which works but um i you know where i have a hard time frequently when i do try to read the lore is i have no context for and I think they fixed this um, where like you get lore cards out of order. Yeah, they did fix <laughs> in books. They and have stuff. fixed that, but it's still frustrating to only read like three entries and then be like, "Well, 
I guess I have to wait another week till I can read the next three yeah, entries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then by the time you get there, you're like, wait, what happened again? I, you just want to read it from beginning to end. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if you have no context for what you're reading, then it doesn't stick. It doesn't have meaning. You know, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping that with the, the new expansion stuff coming out this year, that they're going to do some major, major changes, but mm. I don't know. Well, and and kind of my feeling is if they don't improve it, I'm just going to stop buying season passes and I'll buy the every major DLC that comes out because they've never disappointed me so far with a major DLC. That's it's true. It's just yeah. been the seasons that have been disappointing. Yeah. yeah, the 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 expansions themselves have been well worth their money. It is simply that continual 10 bucks a month or 10 bucks a season that we kind of have to throw down whether you do that in advance or not that's been uh a little more disheartening i guess yeah yeah okay well i feel like that's a good discussion we can, we can <laughs> games. <leave> that in. <laughs> games. I, it was really supposed to be an apex discussion but we said a lot of good <laughs> things about destiny too so that's fine yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know if it was a good things, but we said lots of things. We did say a lot of criticism. Criticism is good. Good things does not mean we were saying that the game was good. We said good points about this too. Good job, high high five team. (laughs) Make make sure you put in a high five uh, sound effect (laughs) (laughs) from like an anime thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we can close the book on on video game stuff and talk a little bit more about tech because you know you that's like the, putting the the time code in the description for people that don't want the video game content <laughs> well it's all chapters so i i chapter mark everything and so if you uh if you're looking at the podcast and you think yeah, i just want to skip this games thing you can hit next chapter and boom you're you're at the next topic already it's very fancy i'm impressed yeah <laughs> uh it's why it takes me like four weeks to edit an episode I just mm. hit publish on my other podcast. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> you and your fancy live podcast. Yeah. Uh, so this is like just breaking, but I kind of just want to mention it because it's kind of fascinating. But uh, Twitter got hacked today. <laughs> yeah. Pretty majorly. Pretty majorly. Um, I don't you know. You guys weren't there. You weren't a part of the revolution. <laughs> well, I, I just don't post. I saw the revolution. I just didn't. I just don't post on Twitter. You stayed inside, yeah, which is the right thing to do in these instances. Yeah. So, uh, official Twitter support says we detected the what we believe to be a coordinated social engineering attack by the people who successfully targeted some of our employees with access to internal systems and tools, and the hackers uh, used their power for evil. Um, posted to, you know, like Apple Twitter account. So something that you'd think would be probably pretty well locked down. Uh, was got some spam. Uh, who, who else? Uh, lots of verified accounts like, yeah. Um, Elon Musk. I saw, I don't know. Um, he posts weird stuff sometimes. So, well, that's true. His, his may have been legit <laughs> and just the timing it was a coincidence that this uh, <laughs> the I, hackers tweeted I, uh, similar things. I never saw any of the messages because they'd all gotten, uh, except think, for screenshots, because they'd all gotten removed. I think Bill Gates also got. Yeah, got, Bill Gates did. I saw that one. Uh, but essentially, 
anyone who had a uh anyone who had a verified account twitter like locked down their accounts for a couple hours yeah <laughs> that's crazy and then and they couldn't tweet all they could do is retweet and, and 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 everybody was basically commenting on how much more pleasant Twitter was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I can see that. It was fun. Do you guys use Twitter much these days? I've, I've basically fallen off the Twitter train too. Um, uh, it's it's a very quick way to get big news events. Yeah, whether that's basically it's in, the way I use it is I. Yeah. I it's kind of a quick dragnet. Um, snapshot of the internet today right and i think there's like one person that i watch occasionally on twitch that i that i interact with and that's pretty much all the posting i do so i'm the glutton for punishment here in this group i happily wade into the cesspool that is twitter on a daily basis and uh, well, you, you mostly do it through your podcasts I do a lot through podcasts, but I mean, I I tweet I tweet quite a bit. There's hey, some there's some I wouldn't lots call of you high quality a regular tweeter though because I follow content. you. Oh, I I probably tweet on average what like three or four times a week. Yeah, some yeah. days some oh, days I go off late. and it's yeah. like. I mean, but I do lots. I do lot a lot more retweeting. I mean, I pay attention to Twitter. Yeah, okay, I mean, probably I, yeah. more than what you guys do. I don't. No, I I pay attention a lot. You just okay. won't ever see me post. I'm yeah, I'm reading yeah. it like six seven times a day at least so yeah um if you're interested uh my twitter feed is the best source of last jedi uh stuff on the internet <laughs> still still baby <laughs> gotta fight the good fight no one else will until everybody accepts it as a good movie brett will not stop <laughs> Okay, just, no. well, I, I, just, I was just I just happened to scroll back far enough in my feed that I saw some Last Jedi stuff, so oh, I thought okay. I'd mention okay. it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was going to ask about the casino scene, but we can skip that to later. <laughs> Dude, I could have I could have a five hour conversation about Last Jedi. Well, it's not about the casino scenes. It's really more about the chase scene. I would it's say about the Favier scene. How it connects to the... You say chase scene, but that was kind of the whole movie. No, I mean, like, the chase scene on the casino planet. Because the right. casino planet, yeah, it was a little cheesy. But as soon as they got to the chase scene, I was like... Oh, yeah, really? no, okay, that, that's, this... yeah, that's really what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Nah, it's okay. Uh, I did enjoy parts of that movie. I also unenjoyed parts of that movie unenjoyed <laughs> yeah that implies that you enjoyed them and then decided later to not enjoy them or like i was in the middle of it i'm like oh we're on this oh wait i know i don't like where this is going <laughs> i i literally just the part we talked about is the only part that i hated in last year and honestly i think that's kind of my main complaint about it too uh it's been a while since i've seen it though so maybe i should uh, go check that out i did really like other parts of it uh yeah so anyway yeah uh let's see here i just i i got a new toy today and uh i just wanted to say that it completely 100 percent fits the title of the show it is insufficiently advanced technology um <laughs> in in my ongoing quest to find a good way to basically video capture um my gameplay so when i do play games and if i have a cool clip that i want to share with somebody or 
um, you know, like when a reference later, I, I want to be able to record that and Xbox and PlayStation both offer quote, you know, record that features where they will go back 30 seconds, a couple minutes. Yeah, clip recording. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, technically it works. Um, but that's about as far as I'll take it because usually the, the quality of the video that is recorded through the systems, because the systems are doing it in real time in the background constantly. And basically when you say record that, it just clips a buffer and, and writes that buffer out to a file. Um, but, but the video quality for it is terrible usually. Uh, mm-hmm. and you're limited to, you know, only a certain amount of time. And if you want to increase your time, you have to re- reduce your video size. And it's just, it's not a, like, it's a functional experience and it kind of works, but if you're trying to get like high quality video, sometimes it looks nice. It's not the way to go. It's one of, it's really probably functional. It's, it's made for sharing something on social media where the social media side is going to compress the crap out of your video anyways so there's no real reason for it to be high quality it just needs to be uh light so that you can get it out there yep exactly yeah so um so you can get video capture cards and usually they have to be hooked up to your computer so you plug you know the hdmi out from your game console or other computer or what have you and you uh, you take the HDMI out of there, you plug it into the capture card, and then the capture card has a pass-through out that you plug into your TV, and then you plug the capture card into the computer, and the computer software you know, will pop up the video feed, and you can hit record, and it will record perfectly high-quality video, gorgeous video, um, for as long as you have hard drive space. And that generally works pretty well, but you need to have a computer hooked up next to your game system like you can't route the usb cable up through your house and you know <laughs> plug it into your computer that's in a different room and i don't want a computer in my game room i don't you know like i don't have anywhere to put it that's the whole thing i don't I, i've tried hooking up the game systems on my desk for this and technically that works but then i have like it just clutters my desk more and mm-hmm. it's it's not a it's not a good like day-to-day experience at my work desk. So uh, Elgato company, um, who's now owned by Corsair, I believe, uh, yeah. makers mm-hmm. of RAM yep. and gaming chairs. Um, <laughs> uh, Corsair bought Elgato, but Elgato made their name making these like nice USB capture cards or capture devices. I guess they're not really even cards because they don't, plug into the computer, although they do have that too. Um, anyway, Elgato came out recently with a 4K HDR 60 hertz independent recording device where you plug, you know, pop a SD card into this recording block and there's a button on the front and you push it and it records whatever video is coming out of the game system. And it's supposed to be able to do HDR 4k, you know, 60 Hertz, gorgeous video. And, uh, finally, like I've had it on order forever and ever. And it just sort of surprise arrived today from Amazon. I was like, Oh sweet. So I went and plugged it in and played with it and 
totally didn't work the way I wanted it to yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I was talking to you guys about the, about it before the show, but like this stuff is exactly why we named the show what we did. And this is kind of like the, the thing that yep. got me to want to like make a podcast is we have all this tech and all this cool stuff and it never works the way it should. Well, and the, and the real problem is Elgato as an entire brand is like, uh, is marketed to be you just plug it in and it works like that's how they talk about it right Mm -hmm. there's no complicated stuff and they and i will not even argue that they're not the best at being plug and play friendly but even they just suck at it so much (laughs) (laughs) when it works it works really really well but getting it to that point is sometimes a like pulling teeth Oh, yeah, it's exactly like all the other tech that we complain about. It's like you get it to that sweet spot and then you just don't touch any settings <laughs> ever. <laughs> because yeah, if you do, it. you're going to spend hours trying to get it back to working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still have my Elgato. What is it called? The is it the 1080p or the 1080s? What, I don't even remember what the previous one's called. Um, they have a couple HD HD sixty HD sixty. I have the HD sixty S plus. I think mm. even, and it works great. It's just it's you t- you you touch anything and it stops working. And then their Mac support's not great. They yeah yeah their Mac support is pretty terrible. That's actually, been, that's been my frustration with Elgato and why I've I've been looking outside of Elgato for solutions. Um, because yeah, their Mac support is not ideal. No, no. And if I were like doing the direct attached thing, um, it, it wouldn't work because they don't support like 4K on the Mac. It's a huge pain. But I, uh, mm-hmm. I the whole reason I got this box is that it's completely independent from any computer, and I just can just hit a button on the front. You know, I sit down to play a game with you guys, fire it up, hit the button on the front, and then it's just going to record everything. And if something awesome yeah. happens. I don't mind going back and scrubbing through the video and saying like, Oh yeah, this is a little thing I want to make or like, you know, splice a few different things throughout the night into one video. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but yeah, so now I have like, I did a little quick test run. It's like just under five minutes long. It's 1.65 gigabytes. <laughs> it's a 4k, uh, video and like, it actually looks great. Um, but it's not hdr i fired up an hdr game and the xbox oh, was like no. yeah i can't do hdr like i can kind of do hdr but i can't do hdr and um sorry <laughs> so i have no idea what's wrong because it's supposed to work but yeah this is gonna be i'm gonna have to futz with it for hours and hours and hours and maybe it'll work i don't know we'll find out but yeah i was i was a little bit happy though that i had a tech experience i was like yes we're recording the podcast tonight. I am so going to talk about this. <laughs> so not much to talk about, but I just thought it was amusing that, yep, it keeps coming up. Yes, it does. It's like a prophecy. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about picking up that, not even for console gaming, just for uh, like the, the thing I'm most interested in is Cyberpunk 2077 when it comes out. Because mm-hmm. I, I recorded a lot of clips from Witcher 3 on my Xbox because there's a lot of really interesting things that happen in that game. You and I kind of want to go oh. back and look at it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to do that. But like the annoying thing about doing it on PC 
is unlike a console where they set aside this RAM and this computer power specifically to uh, record what you just saw. You're eating away from the actual resources that you could be applying to your game by mm-hmm. having those features on. Yeah. So it, it's it it's nice to have a something like a game capture so that you can you don't have to eat away at your resources. But that also means you basically have to have two PCs mm-hmm. to yeah. to do it <laughs> really well. So that I was hoping to do the four K sixty S plus because then I don't have to have a second PC. I can just plug it in. It'll record it, and then I can get it later. Well, uh, I will let you know if I do get this working. Um, yeah, because I feel like once it once it is running, it's going to be awesome. So we'll see. Yeah, um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, other tech. I'm, I'm sort of curious. I've I've been on a little bit of a, a push with my Apple Watch lately, and I believe you both oh, have Apple Watches. I do, mm-hmm. and I kind of just want to have a quick conversation about your Apple watch and your fitness habits and whether there's overlap or not. Um, because I'll, I'll quick share my, my little bit first, but um, I am generally not motivated by the closing of the ring. So like on the Apple watch, you know, you can every day you have a stand goal where you're supposed to stand for at least a couple minutes every hour for 12 hours. Um, there's the activity goal where you, are supposed to burn a certain number of calories and you can set that as a, you know, benchmark per day. And it calculates that based on your movement and sort of the personal stats you plugged in and then, um, exercise. So just 30 minutes of quote exercise, which I believe is sort of an elevated heart rate, um, and, or movement. It's, I'm not exactly sure how it calculates it. Um, but you know, if you do all these things, then, you know, these rings close on your watch and, and then you get this like cool little animation and it says, congratulations. And, you know, let's do it again tomorrow. Um, I am largely not motivated by these things, but I'm trying to get myself to be motivated (laughs) to, to have better fitness habits. And, uh, I just had a birthday last week and I, I was like, okay, I'm doing it today. Like, new birthday, new year. I'm going to, I'm going to just close my rings as many times as I possibly can, because I had a realization I've had the Apple watch for, uh, basically since it came out Yeah, many years, what is that? Four or five years now? I don't even know. And, um, I've apparently never had a perfect week where I've closed all three rings every single day. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And like I was even doing like, I was training for a half marathon, and apparently I never did that. I, I, I'm <laughs> kind of shocked. Um, but this also gets into like one of my complaints about the watch is that like, I, I, especially recently, I've noticed that if I go out for an afternoon walk and I'm pushing the stroller, so I'm my kid's stroller. So I'm actually walking more and working more than I normally would because I'm pushing the stroller and a 20 something pound child around. Uh, you know, up hills and around that the watch doesn't recognize that as exercise the same way it does if I'm just me walking. Well, so I've got a, I've got one question for it. Yeah, because I had similar problems. Do you start an exercise before you do it? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, because I've never I'll, had I'll, that problem. If I will I start, start an exercise. You know, I will yeah. say I will say start a new outdoor walk. Go, 
And I've definitely had days where like I've in the past I've tried, like it happened a couple months ago. Um, I've was like, okay, I'm going to close these rings. And I got four days, five days, six days into the week and closed all my rings. And then <laughs> like inexplicably I'd be out, I would do a 45, 50 minute walk and it, and it, I, I wouldn't realize it. But at like 11 o'clock at night, it says, oh, by the way, uh, you need to do 15 minutes of exercise because you haven't done that today. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I just get angry at it. I'm like, screw you. I'm done. <laughs> and so I'm trying to go at it from a different angle. Um, and so, so it's all about heart rate with exercise. I, so for our listeners who don't know, I don't, I don't know actually how much you guys knows. No. I lost 60 pounds last year in the last year. Well, longer than that now, but in a year period, I lost 60 pounds. And that it was, was impressive. And a lot of it was due to making sure, setting an exercise goal, uh, honestly, just so I could eat more on it. That's, <laughs> that's legitimately why I set an exercise goal was so I could eat more. Um, but the watch was a big helper in that all the watch cares about is your heart rate. If your heart rate is not over a certain amount, it will not count those minutes. Hmm. So, uh, I can't remember what the, the heart rate is. Uh, it, and it also depends on the activity. So if you're doing a walk, it's a lot lower than if you oh, right. say or you're doing swimming a, or something, say yeah. you're doing a run. Uh, but yeah, that I had that problem when I started, that I would just want to casually like use my elliptical while I was watching TV and the machine would be like, yeah, that doesn't count. Or my watch would be like, yeah, that doesn't count. You're not, you're not pushing yourself. Uh, so it's, it's all about heart rate. And so what you do is to train yourself is you look at the watch every couple minutes while you're exercising to see if those minutes counted. And then you, the, on the display, it'll also tell you what your heart rate is. And that's when you go, oh, okay. I figure it, you'll figure out over time what heart rate it wants you to stay at to get your exercise. And the worst part about it is the better shape you get in, the lower your heart rate gets while you're mm -hmm. exercising yeah. <laughs> and you have to push yourself harder. It keeps pushing. Yeah. But yeah. that's not the watch's fault. That's just, that's the way exercise works. Um, yeah. My, yeah, my it, wife definitely has that problem. Yeah. <laughs> it was like and, jealous. And, 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 and that kind of covers my major complaints about the watch is that it's, it's not clear. It doesn't tell you these problems. Like if I start a walking exercise and I walk for two miles and then I get to the end of it and you tell me that I don't have a bunch of time, there's no thing that's like, Hey, I noticed you walked two miles, but you didn't get your heart rate up. Like there need messages like that. Mm. Cause there's going to be plenty of people that are just like, I don't understand. No matter what I do, the watch doesn't count what I'm doing. It's like, well, yeah, it seems a little inconsistent to me yeah. because I, I have a pretty like semi-regular walking route that I do. And some days it will clock 50 minutes of exercise and some days it doesn't break 30 for, for like the same route. What you'll notice when you, if you exercise every day and pay attention to that heart rate, your heart rate varies from day to day. Because it's all yeah. dependent on how tired you are. And honestly, I sort of wonder if it's, you know, maybe it's sitting funny on my wrist and I don't notice. And, and sometimes it is that for sure. 
but I, but I'll notice it's like I'm more tired one day and I just my heart doesn't want to get up to that rate as easily or I don't have I didn't eat enough you know all kinds of things that affect mm. it so no you're yeah, right though yeah it should have some sort of smart like feedback system yeah but, like uh, a, other than well, even you didn't they... get your rings closed better do better today and I, i'd even <laughs> like him for the standing stuff like mm-hmm. because i i've been like busy and i get a stand alert and i'm like whatever i'll i'm busy i'll and ignore it i'll do that the next I would, hour i would like that if i ignored it more than once it would go hey if you don't do these hours you're not going to get your your 12 stand goals for the day right um because for me a lot of it is especially during quarantine the stand goals are the most important ones for me right now because mm-hmm. i want to make sure i'm actually getting up and moving around and not just sitting on my couch or sitting at my desk all day yeah how about you brett um i i am kind of in that place with my my apple watch and my specifically my health stuff where um i'm not i i should be doing more to probably lose the little bit of quarantine weight that i've put on (laughs) (laughs) quarantine Um, 15 that's right but but i do i do pay attention to the uh, the alerts that it does give me which are uh standing and then um breathing because (laughs) i've dealt in the last two years with a lot more stress and anxiety and depression um really keeping my mental health um up has been almost more of a it's 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 become more of a priority and obviously if you can take care of your physical health that helps with that um but i've not been as motivated to complete specifically the rings mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so i i'm kind of on the same page as uh as timothy here in in the sense that it would you know it would be nice if you know i don't know if i'd want stuff like every day but even at the end of a week like hey here's your weekly report here's how you did and here and here's how you can do better next week yeah because they they give you the weekly report but all it is is here's how many times you hit your goal yeah yeah (laughs) there's no actual analytics in it it's (laughs) or or here's how many times you failed your goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is how I tend to read it. Well, and and I've actually even read that if you let it, like, so if you if you hit your calorie goal every week, it'll keep increasing, like, it'll keep recommending a higher calorie goal mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. number of calories burned. And it'll just keep doing that forever. Like, there's people online that have tested it, and it's like, they'll get you to the point where it's literally impossible to burn the number of calories that they're telling you to burn in a week. Well, you could also manually change that and it takes your manual adjustments into account, but it's still, this is a smartwatch. It should be able to be like, based on the amount that you're exercising every day, this is what you should aim for. It shouldn't be going, you should spend every waking minute exercising so that you can hit this arbitrary calorie goal. Time to get a time machine. You're going to work out 26 right. hours today. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's impressive, uh, Timothy, The uh, that you were able to make such a such a change. I, I've not had it motivate me to, to do exercise in sort of any appreciable way. Well, and, and I would not say, I would not call Apple Watch a motivator. I would call it 
a reminding tool. So you have a goal you're and, trying to you're right. trying to hit. You use it as a tool to help you remember every day to hit those goals. That's it. Yeah. It's not a motivator. You, like the be- the the best motivator it was for me was going, oh, do I do I really want to do this today?" And then I go, "I have filled all three rings for the last I, I I'm pretty sure I hit almost an entire year without missing any of the three goals. Wow. And that's that was the only motivator was like but th- but if that I don't is, do it today. But that is a motivator though. Like that's right. that's part of the equation. Right, but that's that only kicks in once you've had a certain number of days right, in a you row. Have, you have to have that momentum. Yeah. Right. It's not going to if you're having trouble motivating yourself to exercise, that it's not at all gonna help you get motivated to exercise. Yeah, agreed. Interesting. July okay. f- July fifth was the last time I filled all three of my rings. It's it's been a while because of quarantine for me. It's just it's hard to be get motivated to do it. Yep. I need to uh and, move one more hour today. So gonna have to finish recording before too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, gonna dear. we're gonna keep this rolling just so that just uh, to screw just to me stress, over. Yeah. Stress you out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of the stress you out, like it's amazing how it can, when it says, you know, do you need to breathe? Like it says it at the times that, yeah, I probably need to breathe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of impressive actually how quickly it's able to respond to, you know, obviously the changes in your body that come from being stressed kind of wild. Um, Yeah. So I just thought it'd be kind of interesting conversation. Do you guys know, like, the, are they doing any major changes with the new, uh, you know, watch OS and iOS and stuff? I know they're renaming activity to fitness, but I don't, I don't know if they're doing anything else for the, the new versions coming up. They added and, and not, this won't be just for the new watch, but um, they've added a number of activity types. I think dancing was one of them. Um, and also the ability to track sleep, uh, sleep oh, patterns. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember hearing was that. something yeah. they they kind of said was was in the works. So, um, I I had a I've done some sleep tracking in the past. Do you have a Fitbit? I don't. Uh, no, oh, okay. I just use my an app, and I use my phone. So you like put your phone under your pillow, and then. <laughs> It like using the accelerometer, right? It can kind of tell how much you're moving around. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and it wasn't all that revealing to me, but I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. I just more than anything, it's just making sure I get to bed at the right time. I get the the right amount of sleep. Um, I don't. Yep. I didn't tend to have any insomnia or anything like that. So. I'm not into, I'm not, I'm not, uh, going to use the sleep function probably for my watch. I'll just keep throwing it on the charger, but yeah, no, some good stuff coming. Cool. So what have you guys been watching lately? Your, your, your entertainment. I think, uh, I think I'm the only one that's watched Palm Springs, right? That so is, far it's on my list for this week. Oh, same. Yeah. I've heard it's, good things. I, I've heard really enough good. good things that I'm like, actually pretty excited to watch it 
had to those that don't know it's a it's a groundhog day style movie where uh the main character stuck in a time loop and uh the thing i really liked about it because there's been a few time loop shows and movies is they don't spend pretty much any time with the discovery of the time loop so hmm. like so many movies you spend like a good half an hour or an hour just with the character realizing that they're in a time loop. Right. And this movie basically does a nice conceit that the person that you're kind of following, discovering that there is a time loop is the second one to get stuck in the time loop. And the first guy has been in it for a while. So instead of it being like they're discovering it on their own, they're getting this other guy Ah, telling them how it works. So you're and able to works. jump into the story a little bit more quickly. Yeah, and it and it works really well. Oh, uh, and 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 I, I did see there was a review that was saying it was better than Groundhog Day. It's very different than Groundhog Day. Like even though they're both comedies, the only reason that they're even comparable is because they're both time loop movies. But everything else about them are completely different. So So uh it uh this is a Hulu movie. Which yeah. is kind of like it wasn't even on my radar at all until well, it's, people started talking about it. It's one of the movies that was supposed to be released in theaters. So they they talked about it a little while ago, and it was planned on being released in theaters, and they didn't really market it because of the COVID stuff. And then they just finally decided, let's just release it on Hulu. Okay, so it wasn't like a Hulu funded project from the beginning. I, I don't believe so. I could be incorrect about that, but that's what I understood. Oh, okay, got it. Well, it's uh, got J.K. Simmons in it, which I am totally okay with because he's hilarious. Um, yeah. So what you're saying is if J.K. Simmons is in a movie, it's an instant classic. Or game. Mostly I'm thinking of Portal. So, so what I'm hearing is <laughs> Michael thinks that Justice League is a classic. Good to know. Uh, Good to know, sir. J.K. Simmons in that movie. Okay. Just haven't seen it, that. so I can't, you know, I, I, oh. I've heard nothing but terrible things about that seen film. That? No, I wouldn't. I, you guys all said it was horrible, so I didn't go watch it. Yeah, just just watch the Snyder Cut next year. See? <laughs> don't don't even watch that. It's, this, it's my, my <laughs> slow <laughs> adaptation to movies uh, always pays off because if I don't, I end up watching Green Lantern and Batman versus Superman. And <laughs> don't, don't, just don't. It's even with even if the Snyder Cut improves it significantly, it's still going to be a three hour movie that doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) That is is absolutely probably correct. Unless they completely rewrote the scene where Batman finds out that they both have the same mother's name and that's what makes him decide to, to suddenly help him. That movie will not make any sense. Oh, well, you're thinking of Batman v Superman, not Justice League. See, oh, there's, sorry. there's the problem. So you're fine. You're, they, you're, they, were, you're... they did want a Snyder Cut for Batman v Superman 2. So I that's why it's literally Nothing's this entire time film. I have been thinking that they've been talking about Batman v Superman <laughs> because literally the second after Batman v Superman came out, people were asking for a Snyder Cut. So, And then the Ultimate Cut came out, and it's still basically the same movie, just yeah. a little more... <laughs> Just a little more Superman doing actual like reporting. No, I, I actually, actually haven't, I haven't seen Justice League. Either. 
Oh my gosh. Love it. I, I, I would actually be really curious to have you watch the Snyder Cut first and then watch the theatrical version and and hear your thoughts from that perspective. That yeah. sounds like homework. That's a lot that's a lot of time though to de- dedicate to that. But 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 we don't even have to worry about it for like another year. <laughs> that's fair. So that's fair. we'll just put it out of your mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we should talk about what we have yeah, been watching. Yeah, so what so, we haven't been watching. So what else have you been watching, Timothy? I I I also watched The Old Guard. Yeah, I watched that too. Which was a Netflix exclusive movie. And honestly, that I think that's like the Palm Springs and Old the Old Guard were kind of the first two movies I watched where I got to the end and was like, even though that was a digital movie, that felt like an actual movie. Like it mm. didn't feel neither of them felt like they were cutting corners for an online release at all. Mm-hmm. Like there weren't bad special effects. There were there wasn't a bunch of no name actors. Yeah, in fact, in in Old Guard and the Old Guard, um, I have a feeling that that movie probably would have been trimmed down a little bit for theatrical release. Probably, yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed this the slower second act where you learn a little bit more about the characters. They actually become characters and not just, uh, you know, person one who's good at doing this thing, person two who's good at doing this thing. Yeah. Um, they actually have legit story and and character arc yeah it was pretty good i i definitely uh i would not be disappointed if they came out with the sequel for it i think it's got a lot of a lot of legs it's not it's not winning any awards no but it's it's good and especially in a year where we're not getting new movies in the theaters yeah like it's good it's enjoyable I, i think the weirdest thing for me is people kept billing it as a superhero movie. And I yeah. I get why, because it's about superpowered individuals. But it doesn't feel at all like a superhero movie. No. No. Yeah. It's weird in that way. Michael, do agree. you Michael, do you even know what the old guard is about? Uh I so this is the Charlie's Theron movie. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if she's like I assume she's a leading role. Um, yes. And it's like a bunch of, I thought it was, I thought it was like assassins or like super warriors or something that uh, like end up getting banded together to survive or I don't know. This is on my to-do list, but no, yeah, I don't, it, I don't really know the premise. It's basically a group of individuals who found out that they were immortal oh. and, and they and and they've been around for a very long time, and they basically have been trying. They've been going around the world trying to do good. Okay, so like without spoiling anything else about the movie, that's that's the basic premise of the movie. Okay, all right. I didn't know and the it, immortal part of it, but now the title of the movie kind of makes a little bit more sense. And and they've I feel like this is a movie that came out at kind of a perfect time. Because I feel like if this movie was made even five or ten years ago, there would have been a lot of like Matrix or mm. or like old school action movie inspired action, like with people doing flips and people, you know, doing really out there, crazy gun gun fu <laughs> type moves. But instead, it was pretty grounded, 
Like I didn't f- feel like any of the moves they were doing were really out there. We're we're and I I think we can attribute this to probably the John Wick franchise. Yeah. But we're past the point of we need to do um like the like what Bourne and Bond kind of did with Daniel Craig, which is you know super in your face rough action and we need to have a, a hundred thousand cuts yeah um this movie it's it's not like it has one cuts or whatever but it it does let the action breathe um and it is all very it feels like it's all doable yeah yeah it's like but i i think we've talked about it before but i feel like born was kind of like the inception of john wick it was kind of like john wick i think owes a lot to the born movies you know what I mean? That in in the way of like the movie Inception that we just talked about, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> My brain had trouble parsing that sentence. No, it, it's it has it's the the lineage of action movies is what I'm talking about. That yeah, yeah. I think Bourne is is kind of like the great grandfather of, of modern action movies that we have nowadays, and that it was kind of the first action series that was like we're going to be very realistic, and we're going to have all these bad guys do things in a very grounded way and that and they t- they took the filming in that same direction Shaky so they cam. wanted to they they want to make it you feel like you're there and it's not a camera that's there and modern action movies have gotten to the point where like people understand that now and are able to immerse themselves in it you don't need to have that shaky cam you don't need to have that really grounded in your face style it's good go check it out yeah that's it's definitely on my list and then uh yeah what else timothy you got something else on your list here oh i just watched uh living with yourself on netflix which i it's pretty old it's not the i think it's like a year right yeah i think it's at least a year old but i finally got around to watching it it's really good it's it's a pretty dark comedy uh about a guy who he goes to a uh a salon or I don't know if salon's the right word. It's a, like a massage parlor, like that kind of place where a spa. they say that a spa, that's the term I was looking for a spa that they're going to make him the best version of himself. And then it turns out that what they mean by that is that they're going to clone him, clean up his, his genetics so that he's a better person. And then they'll kill the original him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And and living with yourself is about Paul Rudd. They screwed up and the original one didn't die. (laughs) So they both, they both exist and he's literally living with himself. Wow. I love it. I thought this was going to be a movie about COVID. It's not a movie. It's, it's a series. It's an eight episode series. It's really good. And it's pretty funny. Um, But it, but it is, it's got some black comedy in there if uh if that kind of thing bothers you but it's not overly dark sounds pretty amusing how about you brett i i watched some dark things um so a couple things over on uh hbo max that i've been watching uh the first is i'll be gone in the dark which is the kind of documentary style um show about the 
uh, Golden State Killer. So, Michael, you you may know quite a bit about this case based on growing up in California. This is not the Zodiac Killer. No. Okay, so you don't know enough about this case. Um, so, actually, uh, I need to Google her name really quick. Uh, so, it's actually based on a book um, by Michelle McNamara, who has since passed away. Um, she was married to Patton Oswald. Oh, okay. And just in like 20, I don't know, like 2016, 2015, maybe she got real obsessive about this unsolved, these unsolved, uh, rapes and murders happening in central and South central California over the course of like the 1980s uh i think they started in the 70s and late late 70s um up and through the 80s and so the documentary parallels her journey searching for the like searching for clues and being obsessed about the this case with the actual case itself um and her writing of this this true crime book. Um, and it's not done yet. It's being, it's on a weekly release. I think there's just one more episode coming out next week. Um, but it is really, really good. It is a little creepy. It's obviously dealing with some very like, right. It's, it's sensitive material, right? If you're, if you, if you can't handle that, don't watch it. Um, but if you enjoy true crime, um, I think it's it's one of the better things out there right now, especially with the fact that um, if you do know anything about the case, like it's been back in the news recently for various reasons. So um, I won't spoil that in case you want to watch it. Uh, the other thing, the other two things I've been watching. Uh, so Perry Mason also on HBO Max. It's a like a 1930s noir uh, detective, uh, private investigator kind of show. Perry Mason is an old show that was remade, I believe. Yes, it is a remake. It is a remake. Um, and it has actually quite a number of big, big names in it. Let's see here. IMDB. I want the new one, not the old one. It's just giving me the old one, you know. Um, so in any case, this one's this one's pretty interesting. It's um, obviously a little. Uh, oh shoot! What, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, it's set in the 1930s, so it it's it has kind of that like older style of filmmaking, but with like new cameras, which I really like. Um, so it still feels like an older film or an older show uh, production. Yeah. Um, but really good acting. Um, it's it's maybe a little graphic and a few things. I mean the it's a it's essentially about uh, the death of a child and whose fault is it? Right. Yeah. Who done it? Um, well, and it's it's a mini series, right? It's not a a full series. Correct. So it is it is going to be one uh one series long. 
not going to have multiple uh, seasons. And they're only on Chapter 4 right now. I don't know how many. Uh, my guess is maybe it's going to be like a six-part miniseries. It feels like we're getting close to the uh, penultimate. But uh, here's a few names of some of the actors and actresses. We have uh, Matthew Rise is, is the main character, Perry Mason. Uh, John Lithgow. Everyone loves John Lithgow. Hmm. Um she Wingham, which I I don't recognize his name, but I recognize his face. So <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's kind of the assistant to the private detective uh, Perry Mason. But yeah, really really good. Um, again, I, I I think I was kind of for a while on a streak of I only want happy things. I'm gonna watch Community and yeah yeah <laughs> you know, and now I'm like okay. I can handle the, I can handle this heavy storytelling again, uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm going deep into it. Um, and then the last thing I've been watching is uh, Crossing Swords, which is a Hulu um, original show from the guys over at uh, Robot Chicken, okay. and it is the most Robot Chicken show you'll ever watch. That's it's a good not thing or a bad thing. I depends on if you're like robot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say probably my favorite Star Wars parodies are the robot chicken Star Wars. Their Star oh Wars parodies They're are so they are fantastic. They're so good. Uh, these these this does not come close to those. Um, it is extremely crude, extremely graphic. <laughs> um, but it's like it's still kind of enduring uh, and cute because they're these little like wooden toy characters that they're animating. Yeah. Um, and so there is some like, Oh, it's, it's kind of funny because of, because of who they are as character, right. As like actual physical objects. Um, but it is, it's one that I don't know if I can really recommend unless you know what robot chicken is and you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for Papa so, Palpatine. It's I, I mean it is it has some it has some really funny <laughs> moments in it. I'll I'll give it that. Uh, but it is it is in a wrapper of uh, language, sex, and violence. <laughs> well, Ro- Robot Chicken for me has always been very much which Robot Chicken's still on, which is pretty amazing. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's such a it, it fits in all those other categories like. Even the Simpsons, it's like there. There's some amazing, amazing episodes of Robot Chicken, and then there's some that are just nothing more than just a bunch of fart jokes. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it it it's the whole spectrum of incredibly, incredibly intelligent jokes and just the most base humor you could possibly have. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I've been watching not new things. Um, I'm as always. Behind the times. Um, Just a little behind. Yeah, Molly and I started watching The Good Place, uh, which we've heard Ooh. good things about, but yeah, um, it's good. went in totally dark, uh, which turns out to be good. The right call. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. How far we're are you? A third of the way, halfway through season two. Okay. Okay. So, you, so the really big... The, yeah, the, the really big twist big is done. reveal 
is done. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't even want to talk about it because no, I don't want to. No. Yeah. I didn't even know there <laughs> was one. So no, I, I didn't. Yeah. Either. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, this is one of the few shows and it was just because I liked Kristen Bell that I watched week to week when it came out without like any other reason other than it was just Kristen Bell. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty amazing seeing that live. Uh, yeah. So we just started that and we're kind of doing like an episode a night, most nights of the week. And so it'll take us a little while to get through the show, but it's, uh, it's a fun, you know, just episodic kind of show that I don't know. Uh, Ted Danson though is fantastic. Like, I mean, when, when is Ted Danson not fantastic? You know, uh, so Ted Danson to me is cheers and I can't name anything else he's done <laughs> until the good place. And well, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's been like a, a leading man much since cheers. He's been in a lot of things. Okay. But I think, I think cheers is kind of like his, his only one where he's like the lead guy. I'm sure I'm missing something that somebody's going to go. You're crazy. You forgot about this amazing show, but yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, like, you know, older Ted Danson, he's hilarious. He's great. Um, and I think this show lets him uh, sort of play with a range of, um, I don't know, like there's some fun character range that he gets to explore as an actor. Yes. And and they do, you know, a couple couple things where he'll like do it one way and then do it another way. And it's kind of funny. So, uh, but yeah, so good place. And then uh, we just recently watched Jurassic Park. Which, um, <laughs> classic, yeah. which that was your first time, right? You'd never seen it before. Uh, no, but was my <laughs> wife's first time seeing it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, which was the impetus for, well, we've got to watch it. Like, what do you mean you haven't seen this of movie? Of course. It, it's incredible watching that now because it's still the CGI. I know it's not 100% CGI, but the CGI still looks really good. Well, so the CGI looks... So we watched it in uh, 4K, uh, and mm-hmm. the CGI... So it's interesting. The CGI, um, for the most part, is pretty good. They still use practical effects, and you can tell right. when it's practical versus CGI. The practical stuff is really good. Like, it holds yeah. up shockingly well. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, that, that T-Rex scene, like turned up the sound and oh it was so good like well i mean the thing that's impressive about the cgi in that is there's a bunch of scenes that you think are completely practical that are mixed right and and, and and that's the way to do it right you yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah sometimes they lean a little too much on the cgi yeah and and you can tell just from a you know modern modern perspective but from where it was back in what 1994 i think yeah um yeah. yeah, pretty pretty incredible. So that was that was enjoyable. Uh, and then we just watched a movie. So it, interestingly, part of the reason Jurassic Park came up in the conversation is that, uh, like, Google real quick because I can never remember actor names. I'm terrible at them. <clears throat> Sam Neill. So uh, part of the reason that Jurassic Park even came up in conversation was that Sam Neill plays the the you know sort of main um right uh archaeologist archaeologist and uh is that the right word 
Archaeos, there's mm-hmm. this a paleontologist. Ah, yeah, because I was like, wait, no, archaeologist is about human history. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna start this recording from. Way back. <laughs> okay, so the only reason, or the the reason that Jurassic Park got mentioned was that Sam Neill is in it as the lead paleontologist guy, and. Uh, he was in another movie that we just watched called Ride Like a Girl, which is a true story about um, a female jockey who won like the the Melbourne Cup, which is like the I don't know, Kentucky Derby of okay. sort of um, Australian horse racing. And um, it was actually a pretty good film. Uh, enjoyed it. It was like it's obviously not like a huge budget um but he plays like he plays the dad character uh, Sam Neill does and uh that was that was a nice movie i liked it um but that's why he, that's why we watched Jurassic Park was cuz he came up in conversation oh cool nice. so um yeah that's about it yeah i'm i'm really glad you're watching the good place because yeah that's like as far as feel good comedies that's like at the top of the list like Right next to park parks and recreation. Yeah, I haven't it's, seen that one either. Yeah, I know. Just, just get know. the first season. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, is it like legitimately just skip the first season and you won't miss anything, or like skip the first pretty, season and you'll just catch yourself up? Pretty much. Uh, so what happened was it started as a office clone, like The Office. Mm-hmm. Like they were going for the same type of thing. And then it got pretty bad ratings when it started coming out. But the showrunners were smart enough to go and talk to people on why they didn't like it. And then they fixed, even halfway through the first season, they fixed a bunch of stuff. And it became this really delightful show instead of being like this little office clone. Gotcha. Yep, it's really good. I I recommend it. Interesting. I think the first season may be watchable, uh, if only for Andy. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pat's character. But they basically like almost nobody else is likable in the first season. Boy, it is. It is. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how much they shift and how well they do it and pull it off. Well, like, like a big a big thing in the first season, without spoiling anything, is that Amy Poehler's character Leslie Nope is a complete idiot. Like she's completely devoted to government work and parks and recreation specifically. She kind of seems to play that, that character. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that's why they, they hired her for it. Cause she's pretty good at playing a dumb person, but it, but it, yeah. it makes it make no sense because she's trying to do these really mm. complicated things in government and you can't get that stuff done as an idiot. And then she's not likable because of how dumb she is. Um, cause it's, it's not like Michael Scott in the office because he's actually a good salesman. Like he had something about him that he was good at. Mm-hmm. It's just, he got promoted to a position where he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she doesn't have anything like that in the first season. And so they actually completely do a 180 on her character and she is incredibly smart and incredibly good at her job. Oh, uh, interesting. So, so that's why I say it's almost worth skipping the first season because it's literally doesn't even make, it makes it make no sense after that first, after the first few episodes, because she's not the same character at all. Curious. Okay, cool. 
Uh, and then we got some feedback from David. David wants us to talk about indie sci-fi, <laughs> which uh, I think, you know, probably <clears throat> is going to resonate with the three of us. So um, absolutely. We do some quick, quick chat about it. Maybe throw some titles out there and then, you know, maybe we'll uh, roll one of these into like a movie night episode or yeah, uh, something like that. But, uh, but the you, one you have the list of these, Michael. What have you not seen on this list? I have not seen Primer, Ex Machina. That's it. Okay, okay. Ex Machina Just is curious. on my list. I know nothing about Primer. So, so we've made a quick list here of like, well, okay, what are some indie sci-fi movies? And uh, Europa Report was the one that uh, was suggested to talk about, which I. Great movie. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about the themes on these. Um, Moon. Um, Primer, apparently. I think that's Timothy's ad. District 9, Ex Machina, and Arrival. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll let, uh, I don't know, Brett, Timothy, one of you want to jump in and run with this? Sure. Well, I'll get my two out of the way. I mean, I can, I'll talk about all of these, but... Um, the ones I threw up there, Arrival and Ex Machina. Um, Arrival, we've all and we've all seen Arrival, right? Mm-hmm. And it's probably the least indie on this list. I'd probably yeah. say, and, that, and that's why I just kind of want to mention it, yeah. um, but not really talk about it much. It's it's one of those kind of probably more mid level um, movies. It's got, I think, it has like an indie story with just enough money backing to make it look really good. Yeah. Um, but just the, some of the themes that it brings up, um, cause it deals with a little bit of time travel. It deals with, uh, communication and language in a really unique way. Um, and, and first contact for that, for that matter, um, in a way that I think is just really highlighted by a, astonishing performance by amy adams Mm -hmm. um i i this is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time um and it's precisely because it's not the shoot 'em up bang bang which you'll notice from our uh list indie sci-fi is is rarely action heavy yeah so um (laughs) action's expensive to film Action is expensive, and so with those indie ones, you you get character development and you get theme development um, instead of action. And I, <laughs> I don't I think that's the value of indie sci-fi. I don't know. I think that's kind of a chicken and the egg argument there, because I think the problem, the real problem with indie film with sci-fi, as far as like a budgetary thing, is they take two their two heady ideas for people to put a lot of money in them. Mm. Sure. I can see that. But yeah, you could argue the chicken and the egg argument there for a while. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other one I have on, I added on the list was Ex Machina, um, which I have, so I need to rewatch this. I actually just let someone borrow it, my copy. Um, it's been a while, but I remember walking out of this movie just being like, wow yeah (laughs) that was that was so good um 
uh, Oscar Isaac. Uh, oh, who's the red redhead guy? <laughs> ah, he plays General Hux in yeah. the oh, new also, Star Wars yeah, yeah. trilogy. Uh, um, Gleason. Yeah, uh, Dom Gleason. Yeah, I got yep. One. <laughs> and then Elise uh, Vikander as um, kind of our. Uh, the the sci-fi element in this movie. Um, and I just think the way this, that this film talks about artificial intelligence and technology and what's our relationship with that and what is humanity. It, it, it I think it does kind of hit on those headier things like what Timothy was, had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Those, those deep thoughts, what are, you know, who are we, what is humanity? All very common themes to talk about in sci-fi and uh i thought this this was a very refreshing take on it yeah yeah being the one that i haven't seen uh but i definitely need to because this is this is one that i keep being told gotta watch it uh mm-hmm. and, and honestly uh, uh, talking from the uh film nerd part of me it's also interesting just because this was the director Alex Garland is that right? Yeah, yep. It, Garland is his directorial debut, and it's kind of fascinating if you go look at like his film history. He did like Twenty Eight Days Later and Dread, like completely different than what you end up getting from Ex Machina. So, kind of interesting to see somebody once he actually got control over what he was making completely that was the movie he decided yeah, when to make he, when he transitioned from a writer to a director what he decided to do yeah yeah and he's he's also uh, i was not allowed to put this on the list because it's too big budget but <laughs> his follow-up film annihilation see i was gonna get to talk about annihilation no matter what <laughs> i knew you'd work <laughs> was it. my was my favorite film of 2018 so <laughs> <laughs> I, and I did not like it because I read the novel first, which is a big mistake. I have to say, very different, yeah. very different. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I put a, I think I put Moon Primer and District Nine on there. Um, and interestingly enough, I think they're all pretty similarly. Well, no, Primer is like the bottom of the budget list on that on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Moon and District Nine are actually fairly similar as far as budgets. But very, all three of those very drastically different movies. Um, Primer is I, I I've probably revealed on here a number of times. I'm a huge time travel nerd, and Primer is the most realistic time travel movie you'll ever see. They set rules, they use actual scientific principles, and they never break the rules or the scientific principles. Uh, and it is not a movie that's going to keep you uh, invested in characters or like a, a storyline as much as the idea of time travel and how they use it. That's the entire mm-hmm. lead. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. The enticing part about the movie. So, and I, and I, ha- I always warn people before they watch it because if if you're not interested in the science and the rules of science fiction, you probably won't like Primer. But if you are interested in those at all, it is a fascinating, fascinating movie. Uh, there's there's actually a bunch of memes on it because it's 
there's so much time travel that happens in the movie that if you try and fit it all in your brain at the same same time, you can't possibly do it. So I think even XKCD one has one where it shows the timeline of primers, just a big jumble of, of ink. <laughs> uh, but honestly, as someone who's watched it a handful of times, it's not nearly as complicated as people make it out to be because the rules are so set in place that you actually know what's going on. It's just, there's more going on outside of what you're seeing on the screen. It's just not necessarily important to what's mm-hmm. happening, but that's, a, that's an argument I'd, I'd like to have with you guys. If, if you guys end up watching it for movie night and then moon moon's really interesting. I know both of you have seen it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think out of all these movies, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, his performance in Moon is maybe oh, my amazing. favorite performance out yeah. of anything we mention here. He's fantastic in this film, and and it just so well done in a very simple set uh, with very little other things going on. So it's mm-hmm. basically just one actor in a set acting a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of the epitome of low budget uh, sci-fi. But yeah, yeah. It's it, so it, it definitely feels like Moon feels like a an old, um, like an old hard sci-fi. But it feels like it. It feels to me like an Asimov story. Yes, thank you. That's that's it's what a, I'm trying to get at. It's a very yeah. self-contained, but very interesting study of of what technology could happen what the effects of technology could be on humanity yeah i would say uh, as a modern even both like it has it has that kind of feel to me yeah and and i think we even talked about it in our chat a long time ago that one of our friends was saying that they always thought the main core of science fiction was the study of like hu- uh humanity uh that wasn't quite what he was saying it was of like politics and stuff like that but really the the real function of science fiction is what is the effect of technology on humanity? If you br- take this crazy technology and it's usually in your, in classic sci-fi, it's one crazy technology and give it to humanity. What effect does it have on them as a whole? And that mm-hmm. comes out in politics, but it also comes out in individuals. And this is an example of how does it affect one person in this world? This technology. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hyper-focused version of the concept. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely watch Moon if you haven't. Um, and then, and then I'll just say District Nine is the complete opposite of everything we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. It is. It doesn't even look like a low budget film, which is one of the reasons why I put it on here is because it's such. It's someone using a very small budget to make a very good looking film. Um, with with honestly, if. It, it doesn't i if you saw that i don't think anybody would think oh this would have been a lot better with some with more money um it's so it's it i did look this up it does have a bigger budget than you thought oh does it it's yeah so for just for reference primer had a budget of seven thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> yes like i said very bottom of the list the camera moon Moon had a had a budget of five million dollars. Okay, yeah. District Nine is thirty million. Yeah, yeah. And 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 arrivals like forty. Yeah. So like it's kind of on that similar level. Yeah. 
but still, the fact if you watch that movie, it's pretty impressive what they do with thirty million dollars, especially because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. several of the characters are well completely CGI. Con- considering a f- uh, like a film like Joker from last year was a fifty to sixty million dollar movie, yeah, like with with no uh, special <laughs> effects, <laughs> with with the spe- you know the special effects there being things like background replacement, yeah, yeah, not character creation, <laughs> yeah, and and I, I will say uh, of the list, I would say District Nine's probably the bottom as far as quality of the ones I've seen. It's not you're not not going to see it and have any any like epiphanies about humanity or anything like that. No. But it is very very well made and it actually has a pretty good allegory about uh apartheid in South Africa if you're familiar with apartheid. If you're not, it'll completely go over your head. But yeah, I mean, it it definitely um was a it felt like it was trying to make some like commentary yeah in a different venue than is usually done right right um but yeah it's a it's a fun movie to watch and another one that like if you don't know anything about it that's cool <laughs> like, yeah just yeah go in and watch it because it, they pretty much lay out the entire like what you need to know they just lay it out at the beginning like <laughs> it's it's like here's the deal there are these aliens and like they're in these camps and like they, they just, they lay it out. Um, yeah. That's a, a, a lot of these sort of lean on like one main actor, you know, they don't, they don't have the budget for large cast. Yeah. And um, I mean, district nine has a lot of extras and such, but you know, mostly it follows like that one guy. And the, the funny thing is I, I love talking about, uh, indie sci-fi and i think if we have a a movie night about any of these it'll be a lot of fun but i don't want to talk about them too much because they all have good hooks that mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. want to spoil if yeah. somebody hasn't watched it yet so agreed agreed um yeah and have you guys both seen europa report i haven't you have it's the only one I on have. the list i haven't i have oh, okay cool well, there's there's one for you to watch then, Timothy. Um, yeah, it's uh, listed as having a budget of less than ten million, and it's um, basically like it, it's kind of like Moon in that you have like this one set where everything is done because the crew's on a space capsule, and so. You can't do much else than, you know, film in this space capsule. So they get a lot of, uh, they get a lot of time out of the one set. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and of course, you know, things like, you know, go sideways and they gotta react. The, the, uh, crew is surprisingly large. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's like what, seven or eight people in the crew yeah, so one two three four five six seven i think yeah so it's um it, and it's sort of told through um like uh like footage that was taken during the mission kind of thing okay it's a it's got a little bit of a found footage feel yeah for sure yeah. 
Um, like cameras all around the ship kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You're watching mm-hmm. it through the cameras. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's like a lot of good character interaction and, and there's some fun uh, sort of, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it without giving Spoiling. away other things. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just, I'll lay off on that, but um, that might be a fun one to talk about for sure later okay. because it was, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and for a big chunk of the movie, you're like, where's this going? You know, you kind of <laughs> yeah. have to like follow the ride, right? Like they're setting this up, they're doing this thing and you just kind of go to go with it. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it paid off pretty well. So is it, is it kind of like, obviously not saying that it's as well made, but it kind of sounds like almost like a 2001 space odyssey thing where you just kind of like, I have no idea what's, what's going on. I don't know where this is going. And it's just not kinda... nearly as it's not nearly as heady as right. two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's it's more like I was going to say the original Alien because it, okay it, it, it yeah and it like you have like it's this really slow burn and you're just not really sure what's going on but like obviously there's something happening and then you have this like the interaction with the crew and and then it sort of like speeds up a little bit you know as as the story comes together. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, that, that's my favorite of the Alien movies, so... Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I do... Yeah, I love me some original Alien. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then I was going to toss another one in here that I hadn't mentioned before, because um, you, you're talking about uh, time, time time travel, travel. and stuff. Yeah, uh, Synchronicity was a um, sci- like sci-fi noir kind of film. It wasn't terribly great, Um but it was sort of an enjoyable, you know, afternoon watch, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if either of you have seen that one. I, have. I haven't. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, it's, yeah. it's been on my list for a while just because I watch a lot of sci-fi movies. But yeah. Or a lot of time travel movies, I mean. But I haven't uh, gotten around to it yet. Okay. Yeah. So that, I, I'd be curious uh, to hear your thoughts on it after seeing it. Um, But it was definitely kind of a a curious curious film that was uh i think kind of definitely more indie than yeah than yeah. not i was trying to find the budget for it i don't see it listed hmm. on here yeah when you watch primer by the way its budget will not surprise you <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you seen cube yes cube. like the original cube i don't think so that's not, it's not really sci-fi, but it's like a low budget, uh... Oh, are you talking about the horror movie? Yeah, it's like a low budget sci-fi horror film. I, I haven't. The, I, I read the concept and was completely uninterested. <laughs> the, the 1997 one, right? Is what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, not Hypercube. Which is like the yeah. sequel. That had a $365,000 budget. Yeah, I believe it. Um, yeah, that was a very strange film. Oh, yeah you have to sort of be in the mood for that kind of thing but yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I aside from horror comedies i'm never in the mood for horror movies oh Thrillers. man sure i just uh what was it i just looked at oh army of darkness oh army of darkness Ooh, is I, haven't, I haven't seen that in so long i mean I, 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 it's funny watching the first one uh what's it called uh evil dead yeah and you're like what is this? And then, and then you realize <laughs> that Army of Darkness—they just leaned into 
yeah. the ridiculousness of that first movie. <laughs> that first movie, it's so bad. It's I, bad. But <laughs> growing up, uh, my dad and I would have like bad movie night. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and we'd watch the, like it was typically with like if my sister was at a friend's house or like my mom was doing something and so <laughs> it was just dad and I watching these terrible movies. <laughs> I, I mean literally the the funnest thing about watching that movie is you watch it and you go like you're laughing because it's so bad. so bad. And then you watch it the second one and you're like, they were smart and they just said Let's just lean into shop smart what, shop. Yeah. S smart. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I need to watch that again. still got your uh you, you really wanted to talk about movies and we uh we managed to still talk about yes. movies. Yeah, yeah. Have, did either of you did you both watch logan lucky i had i hadn't yet i was planning on doing it okay because because timothy I, I, and I, I watched yes- it last night okay because yesterday timothy and i were playing apex and he's like oh are we supposed to watch the movie i'm like yeah <laughs> so he did Uh, it's fine though it's a really enjoyable movie so i kind of i think i might watch it again right before we record because uh there's a lot to talk about i'm not talking about it now yep i enjoyed it though i did i did enjoy it yep